You're listening to the After The Show Movie Podcast from ascully.com. Your weekly look at movies, video games, and more brought to you by your hosts, Ace Scully and Sid Talk. We're addicted to movies. Are you? Good afternoon and welcome to After The Show. Hello, Sid Talk. How are you? Very well, thank you. What were we talking about before the show? Um, This movie? The Outsiders. Oh yeah, The Outsiders. <laughs> a movie from the 70s? 80s, I believe. 80s, which we may review coming we up. We didn't have a full conversation, really. It was like bits and pieces of all kinds of things. Mostly this movie. So now we've talked about it, what are we going to do? Rewind and <laughs> say all that shit again? What I figured out was, from talking about The Outsiders, that I have never watched it. For yeah. Some, I don't know how, because it's a very famous Huge movie, right? Mm-hmm. And you have well, watched it, but know nothing about it. I don't know. Not. Um, that's fair to say. <laughs> <laughs> it was a big deal back in the day. Yeah. So like I said, if I saw a trailer or I looked at some pictures or something, a lot of things I've just drained from my brain over the last few years. All right. So with that, you can drain this from your brain. <laughs> it's already gone. It's Saturday, December the 4th, after the show 713. The movie we're looking at this week on our movie review podcast is Reminiscence. It's a 2021 movie. You can get it on Blu-ray now. It's also on HBO Max on streaming. It's rated, actually rated PG-13. And it's from our friends at Warner who sent us the Blu-ray for review. Sid Talk, you give us the synopsis of the movie Reminiscence. A man is super emotional and a woman is a con lady and the world is getting covered in water. I mean, that's right, right? Yeah. Okay. I'll give you the one off the box. Nick Bannister, a private investigator of the mind, navigates the past by helping his clients access lost memories. How far would you go to hold on to the ones you love? Hmm. That's what it says. Yeah, but that doesn't talk about the water. Oh, mate, wait. We'll get into it. How the water plays into this story for you. <laughs> yeah, well, there's on the cover of the movie, the Blu-ray cover, he's stood in some water, if you look, up to his knees, which um, is not... We'll discuss it. How the water plays and doesn't fly into it. All right, so Reminiscence is a movie brought to us by the creators of Westworld, Lisa Joy and Jonathan Nolan, and... It is a sci-fi-ish type of movie with Hugh Jackman. Let me say, before we start, I like Westworld a lot, but I super wasn't into this movie. Oh, super not into this movie. That's a lot. I liked how it visually was, how it looked. I wasn't gripped by the story, let me say. I totally identify. Although, I'll say right off the bat, I really enjoyed... The whole thing. Like, I enjoyed looking at it, mostly. I wasn't that into the characters and their motivation, but I got it. I, I wasn't off board. Or I was on board. Oh, get that? On board. Everything's you covered mean in with a water. water movie. Yeah. Should we go ahead and explain that part of it so we can get that out of the way? Yes. There might be mild spoilers or even spoilers. Total spoilers. We'll just go there. And if you don't want to hear spoilers, then stop what you're doing. Go get the movie. Watch it. And come back. We'll wait. I mean, not if it's going to take you like five days, but... I haven't got enough hard drive space. <laughs> 
So the world is this. It's sometime in the future. We have no, we have not established date or anything, which is fine. I have no problem. That's fairly, it's still pretty now-ish other than this invention of his, right? So the world, and they do not explain why, only the director does in the extras, but the world is covered with water for the most part. It actually does explain in the movie. It didn't say why. Somebody says because of global warming and the war. No, he didn't say global warming. He said, I think he said, once the water came and the wars happened. I don't think he might have said global warming. That was the first, what, 30 seconds of the movie. Yeah, you'll forget it pretty quick. I have, obviously. (laughs) The big cities, like, they're in Tampa, which is, like, mostly covered in water or flooded anyway. And then rich people have walled off or dammed up certain areas where the water is still totally going to be taking over. It's very clear that we're not at a safe point, right? So she mentions that London is completely underwater. And if Tampa's underwater and New Orleans is mostly underwater, then you can imagine, like, we don't really get any other ideas about the rest of the world. So that's where we're at in the world. So everything that these characters have to go you know, from one location to another, it's on a boat, they're sloshing through water all the time. There's one really good scene, I actually like the one with the piano. Yeah. Where like you're in what looks like an old warehouse, a fancy, I mean, it's been used as a warehouse since the floods. It's kind of fancy, but then they break through a floor and it's in a gigantic auditorium, like a really fancy orchestra kind of a place, you know what I mean? That was really cool. So within this world, we now have a story about a dude who has invented or developed a way for you to lay in this thing. It looks at your memories and they make a visual representation of your memory so they can help you either help the police with people with crimes, right? So they dig into somebody's memory and say, well, when did you do this or whatever? Or people just want to relive. This is the emotional part of the heart of the movie. People want to relive the best singular moments of their lives over and over and over and over. And like you said, that's not a new concept. No. Like Westworld, you go and experience something. Well, that one's more about escapism. Yeah, it's still all escapism though, right? Because the world's so shitty that you go into this thing. The guy without the legs remembers a moment when he's throwing the ball for his dog and he's got his legs. You know what I mean? Like that's... Yeah. And then one woman's remembering the moment when she's like holding her little baby child and we don't know what Obviously, the world, millions of people have died, probably billions of people. So a lot of these people are coming in here to have memories replayed of loved ones, of moments in time, you know. So that's where we're at with that. It's just very, (laughs) it's kind of, that sounds all fascinating, right? So if it were a story about following an investigation, which it turns out to kind of sort of be, then at least you have that to hold on to. Kind of like, what's the one with the... Tom Cruise. Oh, yeah. Minority Report. Right. Where they're predicting future crimes, right? So in the world where that crazy technology exists, then we've got the human interest stories and a bigger picture of an actual big thing happening. This one, it's just like rich people are jerks. Poor people have to suffer and are forgotten because they let them all drown or whatever. Yeah. And in the middle here, we can use this technology to either bring down the rich people and make society crumble, which is kind of like what's happening anyway, or we can just let these poor individual saps relive moments. And that's really it. There's not a lot gluing it together except this lady 
and him. I and mean, it, and it's like a crime thriller, basically. Kind of though. But what I'm saying is, all of those things are bigger to me. Yeah. Than this thing where this one tyrant guy, apparently rich guy, a thing has happened. And now we're on, but that's about, what, three quarters of the way through when we're actually, oh, we're now we're on the trail of this thing. It does take a long time yeah. to get to the point. It's a little bizarre where he's, you know, he's dead and now something has to happen to save his empire or the city doesn't like all rise up against the family. I mean, that was, even that's just me interpreting that. That's not like overt, right? Right. It's kind of bizarre how it all falls apart. Now, what I said to you earlier after the movie had ended that the movie that takes place in this awesome-looking world is not the movie I wanted to see. There's a better movie that could take place in this place. Better because you wanted to see how it all took place? Or... I just feel like it... Well, obviously, they don't really utilize the, the place, do they, very much? You see like him going from one place to another on a train or in a boat, but it doesn't get used, apart from the piano scene, I guess. I think, though, that because the world is so shitty, this is why everyone is how they are. So that's fine with me, because that explains these certain people who are just so desperate to survive that they will literally do anything, right? And that's why crime looks the way it does. That's why a lot of cops are kind of bent, as you British people say, because the world just sucks ass and there's people are just trying to hang on. So that makes sense to me, right? Right. Like in a Walking Dead scenario, everybody's turning into zombies, the world's falling apart, there are no governments. This motivates people to make bad Rick Grimes choices. <laughs> yeah, well, that's let's that's say going a lot of the movie takes place in this singular room, which has got this machine in it, which I actually thought was really cool, the way, mm -hmm. it's, the way it displays people's you know, memories visually, like a big, massive 3D hologram. And Which is crazy. Really cool. It's crazy. We're not going to question how that's even possible. Yeah. We just have to skip over that part. Now, the majority of the movie takes place within that machine. So then it breaks out into lots of flashbacks. And, and that's the, you know, the structure of it. And I found that structure to be really like, I've seen it a million times. Yeah. And that's where I got bored with it a bit. I get you. The whole movie in that room, to me, feels like a stage play. It feels like if you stripped away the fancy outdoor, like with all the water, and just had a room in on a stage with a circular thing in the middle, you could do this whole movie on that soundstage. Yeah, it felt very theatrical all the way through, yeah. really, when you think about it. It made it feel like, oh, wow, it's so awesome outside. Why are we in this room all the time? Please go outside for a bit. I just kept thinking that. And it wasn't happening most of the time, was it? You know, we might see inside somebody's ha home or in a bar or something, but we weren't seeing the outside stuff. So that bothered me. The other thing that bothered me was dialogue in this movie. There's some horrible dialogue. I mean, it's like trite kind of. Is it horrible or is it just, it doesn't seem like sappy. it belongs in a movie kind of a story. There's some things that come out of uh, Wolverine's mouth as points in the movie where I'm like, oh my People would not say that. He wouldn't even say that, that guy. He's not Wolverine. Well, he, you know, there's one part where he's wearing a white vest. <laughs> and I was like, now he's Wolverine. And they put him in a white vest for a little while. There's a lot of dialogue that comes out of him. That's, he repeats the same thing over and over a lot also. Did you notice that? Yes. 
that's boring to me. It's like, okay, I know about the happy ending. Mm, yeah. He says that so many times. I was like, oh God, don't say that again. He said it again. I think there were four times and he told the, the thing is this. I'll tell you now, and then you'll be prepared for it when you watch the movie. There's this part where she says, tell me a story with a happy ending. And he says, no stories have happy endings because it's the end, even if it was a happy story. And she says, fine, then tell me a happy story that ended in the middle. Yeah. And they do, they say that over and over. (laughs) Also, another problem I had with the movie, and you even like said out loud. Yeah. When something's happening. They make sure you know it's happening by saying it three or four times. And you even said, oh, we know. Yes, exactly. <laughs> because the guy's like saying, blah, 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 blah. You know, he's telling you what, is, what you're looking at. He's telling you what that is. Exactly. And you're like, in your mind, you're like, well, I'm looking straight at it. I understand what it is. We get it. We but get they, it. So that means the filmmakers don't trust the audience to understand it fully. I'm not sure if that's what her mind would be, but... It's a very emotionally attached kind of a movie. And I wonder if that just in editing and the da, 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 the whole vibe of it is just this very deep and sort of self-pity. Yeah. Feeling sorry for yourself, feeling like, oh, I can't tell my loved one the truth about me or they'll abandon me. That's actually the heart of a lot of the motivation of her, which is I don't identify with. And so I feel like the repetitiveness and sort of the over lyricalness of it like a poem or a song, it's part of how they wanted to tell the story. It, so. it is. It just becomes grating to me because it's a done a lot. Bit. But then if you think about it, the kind of person who wants to go and lay in the bath and relive their past memories over and over and over, that's also repetitive, right? They're just living in this yep. two or three moments of the life that they want back. It all makes sense. It's just I found it was executed like really well on one half of it. But then the other half, I couldn't really give a poo. Hold on. Are we just heartless? Is that what, is that what I'm giving up? Yeah, maybe, because it was the visual part I was into, but the actual heart of it, I wasn't. Yeah, I think we <laughs> just have no heart. I've got it. I figured it out. Now, on a positive note, and I've never seen this before, inside the Blu-ray, if you buy the Blu-ray, there's a letter from Lisa Joy, who's the director. And I read the letter to you earlier. Mm-hmm. And I got it a bit more after reading the letter. I did too. I feel like that should that's not how it should work. No. But I got a better picture of where she's coming from, for sure. Yeah. It made me like the movie a little bit more, which isn't right. That's yeah. not how it should be. It's a fancy letter that's inside there. It's it like a it's like you're getting a letter from the Queen or something. I liked it. Yeah, I did as well. And I was like, what is this? And usually in a Blu-ray box, all that's in there is like a advertisement for something. But this is an actual double sided letter. You would miss it, wouldn't you, if you weren't if you didn't really yeah. Pluck at it. So if you got the Blu-ray and you did miss it, go and have a look. It's actually an interesting read and puts you into her shoes and where she's going from making this movie. Now, it doesn't make me love the story anymore. No, but it makes you, you know, again, right or wrong, makes me just appreciate where she's coming from more. Yeah, like Westworld, though, it does have an interesting concept. I do like the idea of a machine that can relive the memories. I don't feel like it's new. I can't think of what I've seen it in before. But we have, right? Oh, of course. I mean, something similar. Yeah. Where you get- well, I mean, you have all kinds of things where you've got giant mnemonic where people are jacking in on other people's memories, right? And there's another movie where people are getting 
other people's memory. I mean, Johnny Mnemonic. Oh, yeah. Strange Days. Do you remember that one? Yes, Strange Days. Yeah. Johnny Mnemonic. Well, Johnny Mnemonic is more like storing information, I guess, in his head. Yeah. But I think there was something there, too. Strange Days, definitely. I think we've had more modern ones, too, where you could jack into people's memories. Yeah, but it doesn't seem a new idea to me. I'm like, no. I've definitely seen this over the years in different forms. There is an interesting idea there. And I love the fact that, like, you know, the flooded city is amazing. It looks amazing. There's a shot at the beginning, which I said to you, this must be so expensive, this shot. I mean, it must be CGI, right? But it's a flyover of the city. It lasts about two minutes. It comes mm -hmm. from really far away. It was really good. You end up in the city, like, looking at our main character, Hugh Jackman. It's just amazing. I was like, oh, I hope this movie continues like this, because this is badass. <laughs> but then you sparingly see the city a little bit further on in the movie. But you never get to see it that big, do you? I did like the part where the rich people are living in the higher part of the city, where there's no water. It's not higher. They built dams. They built it up a bit, yeah. No, they built dams right around in the middle of the city, around the section that they're just on. The rest of that is just... But that looked cool because that doesn't exist. So you're like, wow, that's And it did created. look good. And then there's a really funny part where he's leaving that area and he notices that the rich people are watering the lawns. Yeah. <laughs> like, I said like, hmm, watering the lawn when the whole world is drowning. Yeah, those things are great. But those things are not what the movie's about really, are they? They're just like incidental things. The True. movie's more about this guy. And we didn't mention, this is like done in a film noir style. So it's got this Hugh Jackman voiceover, similar to Blade Runner has the voiceover. So the fact that we didn't mention that might break that director's heart because that's kind of was her whole... That's what she was going for. Now, what you've seen in film noir, all those tropes, they're all in here. There's a lady in a nice dress singing, always in those movies, always. Have There's... you seen lots of noir movies? I have, yeah. Even like old noir movies. But okay. then ones that pay tribute to noir, like Sin City and stuff. But they always have these tropes, don't they? You know, they have the man in the raincoat with the voiceover and they have the lady who's a singer often. They have the bar that's got the criminal underworld in it. This mm -hmm. movie has the same thing. The voiceover by Hugh Jackman, I found off-putting a bit. It was too much. There's like, a lot. That's why I like that director's cut of Blade Runner where they take away the, um, the voiceover. It's actually better without the voiceover Blade Runner if you watch the different versions of that. But this one, I was like, I don't really need to hear your inner thoughts always. And also in that very lyrical way, which is the trademark mm. of noir cinema as well. He doesn't just say, I'm walking into a dingy basement. He'll have a lot of flowery words to go with that, right? Yeah. And that just, it it's, got me. It's a lot. Yeah. So, it can be very boring. Yeah, so it goes for that style and it really goes for that style. So if you don't like that, I think this movie would really... I'm not saying I don't like that, because I do like Blade Runner, and I do like Sin City, and I do like... Which is your favorite old noir movie? Yeah. I don't know. I've probably only seen four or five when I took film class in college, and so I don't remember them. I've, I've the, not kept them in The Maltese mind. Falcon, is that one? <laughs> I don't know. It's for sure. That's the yeah, one I'm thinking a, of. I mean, The Big Sleep is sort of a yeah. notorious one. I have seen that, but I don't remember it. So that's what this movie is. It's a sci-fi movie with a noir style and a, a cool visual of a city that's it's kind of like Blade Runner, but it's water instead of neon buildings. So if that sounds like your cup of tea, 
I mean, I liked it though. We both keep saying weird stuff that doesn't sound great. Well, the issue, but to I me, really enjoyed it. I liked things about it, but then the core, I would say, like the apple, mm-hmm. that part, which is the main story of the what is going on here? Who did this? Who did that? That part, I had no interest in it. Right, I get you. That was why in the middle of the movie, I was like, I actually think I might be bored in this scene. There was yeah. a few times where I was a bit bored. And then... There were some good fight scenes, I will admit. And I'm not a big fight scene person. Yeah. But I was on board with some of those fights. Hugh Jackman's used to doing fight scenes. He's done lots of... Uh... He's also been in a tank before. This is not the first, This is not his first rodeo in a tank. No, that's true. <laughs> All right, so let's move on to the cast. Hugh Jackman plays Nick Bannister. What did you think of Hugh? I liked him. I mean, once I've established that I'm over the fact that I'm not into the style of the dialogue or the writing or the story, (laughs) but everything else is great. You're being a bit harsh there. Well, I mean, I wasn't into it. I'm not saying it isn't good, but then I just had to accept it. And he got really intense. He, again, it felt kind of stagey at times. You know, we know that he's big in great, big, actual stage Even, plays and things, like right? Like The Greatest Showman. Yeah, I've never seen that one, but it's all very, like, Broadway. And the emotion of dropping to your knees and like, <laughs> it doesn't feel like cinematic. <laughs> Is that what you think of Broadway? <laughs> they drop to the knees and cry. <laughs> Well, there's a, I can see it in my own mind, and I'm sure everyone is, because I'm <laughs> crystal clear about the image I'm just describing here. It sounds more like Rocky. Adrian! No, this is more like, like your, set, your face is all falling off because you're just really putting on the waterworks, but you fall to your knees and you're looking up at the person. In this case, he's looking up at a memory of a person. <laughs> you know. Yeah. It I just feels two-dimensional, even though it's well done. Yeah. I want to keep going back to that. It's not poorly done or like over-exaggerated. It's just that if I saw someone do that on a stage, it would feel like it fit better. Rebecca Ferguson plays May. What did you think of Rebecca? She's the lady in the dress who walks in and, you know. Is- I liked her better when she was sort of dropping the whole May thing. Do yeah. you know what I mean? When she's May, she's too cool for school, basically. She's a little too much. I mean, obviously, you find out in the story that's the idea. But I yeah. mean, yeah, she's a bit much. But I don't. I like her. I do like Rebecca Ferguson. I liked her in uh, Doctor Sleep. But that's the one I think of. She was also in the Mission Impossible movies. Mm-hmm. She was also in The Greatest Showman with Hugh Jackman. Oh, that one again. Yeah. So, Thandie Newton plays Emily. So, this felt like Westworld to me all the time because she was in it. <laughs> I was like, there's... um. Maeve over Maeve, there. Maeve, yeah. But she is his assistant, let's say. She helps him out Correct. a lot. And she's well, just... she runs his, his business is this machine, and anybody can come in and pay money for an hour of memories. And she's yeah. the one who runs the machine, basically, and helps him keep track. But you know what? How I saw her all the time? That she's his soulmate. She is his oh, soulmate, not anybody else. you. You know Howard as Robin? She's yeah. Robin to Howard. <laughs> There's no way he can operate without her. I get you. So that's how I saw her. And she was also awesome in this. She pretty much was doing Maeve, to be fair. No, I think she had a little more to her than... Maeve was conniving and tough. (laughs) You know, this lady is just... She's just worn out. But a lot of it from her own bad choices, from life, from a world that's been flooded. She was in the military. 
You know, she's had a hard time. Hey, that's another... And um, she's an alcoholic. That's another comparison to Howard Stern's Robin. She was also in the military. Is she an alcoholic? I don't know, but I wouldn't get it past her. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) So, yeah, I like Thandie Newton. She's great. And Cliff Curtis, who we know from The Walking Dead, Fear the Walking Dead, from a while ago, plays Cyrus. I mean, he's fine. I'm not a big fan of that guy, and I know that sounds terrible, but I never really was. I'm not super a big fan of the character in the movie either. No. It's kind of dull. Yeah, and you know, the thing is, well, I was one of the people out in the world that got all flooded and nobody gave a shit about us, and now I'm a terrible, horrible human being, and I have every right to be. Yeah. Like, I have no apologies for wanting to murder everybody and being a bent cop and being terrible because... I was left to rot out there in the ocean with everybody else. So I wasn't really on board with his motivation. This is directed by Lisa Joy. She directed Westworld alongside her husband, Jonathan Nolan, who is Christopher Nolan's brother. Christopher Nolan has something to do with this movie. I saw his name at the end. Probably a money thing, right? What did you think of Lisa's work here? I think it's even with all what sounds like negative. It just all works together for what it is. It does. And I feel like if she, as far as the performances go and the dialogue, because she did write it, let's not forget that part. So she would have been the person writing the dialogue that comes out what looks like the way she intended it to, like Mm -hmm. big drama, big emotion, lots of broken hearts. And even in her letter, she alludes to it. And in the movie, it's very like overt that like love and like romantic heartbroken love is what we all need and aspire to. Well, she sounds like that's what she's into, and that's what comes off in the movie. It does. And I can't knock it, because... Exactly. As what it is, it's well-made and everything. Exactly. It's just just not my cup of tea, let's say, as a British person. cup of tea? (laughs) Yeah. It's not my cup of tea, mate. I got it. Got it. All right, so IMDb reviews, what are those? Those are reviews on a website called IMDb which stands for the Internet Movie Database. And, and you're going to make fun of them because they gave it one star. And chances are, somebody somewhere said, this is a waste of my time, or this is a movie that never should have been made, or something else. This one I don't know if they can actually accuse, which is what we find lately, the theme that it's a man-hating, woke movie. I don't feel like this one has any of that. I don't think so either. <laughs> I mean, maybe I'm becoming anesthetized to it, but this movie does not pretend to be trying to be socially, culturally correct. No, it's, it's kind just... of a throwback in a, in a way. Absolutely. Yeah, but there again, the noir thing is, isn't it? So mm-hmm. So these are the people who gave this movie one star out of ten on IMDb. First person says, how this lady got to write and direct a movie is hard to understand. I want my two hours back. I want my two hours back. It's a classic. Yep, classic. <laughs> Every week we get that one. Yep. Next one says, I hoped it might be at least watchable, but it wasn't. It's filled with tired cliches and idiotic (laughs) one-liners. A huge waste of money. Don't waste your time on this rubbish. Okay. We'll take your word for it. This guy says, the dumbest film I've ever seen. Worst dialogue ever. Zero stars. Well, you're not going to argue with that one. You didn't love the dialogue. Mm -mm. Yeah, some of it was fine. What about this one? Scenario sucks. Prediction sucks. Acting sucks. I also have to add that May can't sing. That's it. Uh, Well, that's rude. 
It's actually her singing, Rebecca Ferguson. Yeah, I mean, um, it's a it's not my style. It's a bit whiny, but no, I but get uh, what she's a good singer. For. It's very like, and I saw you walking, and I fell in love with you. Uh, no to Hollywood. <laughs> I mean, that's what, it's just like this droopy, like somebody changed the, I mean, that's what it is. Yes. The record player to the wrong speed, if any of you know what that what I'm talking about. Where but it's, it's, like, it's sultry and smoldering, kind of. Yeah, so not my thing. I guess anybody could do that, maybe. I know that sounds dismissive, but I wasn't into it. This person said, I watched this because it said it was made by the people who made Inception and Memento. My advice is to re-watch those. Well, let's say it isn't made by the people who made those movies. <laughs> because that's by, not the truth. <laughs> it's literally made by... Uh, those movies are made by the brother of the person who was involved with the... This Correct. Movie. So, no, that's not the same. And finally, only thing I can say is it's a waste of time. I was really looking forward to it because the trailer looks great, but the movie is just boring. Um... I think if you're focused too much on the story, yeah. that is not super great. I can understand totally how. Don't it focus on the story when you're watching it. <laughs> <laughs> that's my advice. Yeah, that's good. Good advice. Well, you know, I do what I can. There are some extras on the Blu-ray, and the one about the water, I, I enjoyed because yeah, I thought the whole thing was like a CG. All the water was CG, but it's not. They actually flooded a load of places. Which seems a bad. set. They flooded a set. Yeah, but it looks good, and they explain it well in the extras. So, in conclusion, reminiscence. I'm going to give this movie a five out of ten. I think that's fair, and I'm going to give it a six just because I did like it. I just, I'm not a hundred percent sure why, All but right. it's it looks better than the average. You know, it looks better than that one with the big beasts and Dwayne Johnson. You mean Rampage? Yeah, like that one looked fine for what it was, but it wasn't great in the because the city, the storm was coming and the water came in. Yeah, this one looks better than that, so I like looking at it better than right. a lot of. Yeah. So thank you to Warner Brothers for letting us watch that one. Next week we'll review another movie. I won't tell you what it is because I don't know. <laughs> movie recommendations. I'm going off the back of noir style movies. My favorite one is Dark City, which I got you to watch. We reviewed it. Do you remember it? Correct. Yes, I do. Great movie. So I'm going to recommend Dark City, Sin City as well, which is also a like a modern take on the noir thing. All right. Mine are The Outsiders and Spring Break. Why am I nominating these two <laughs> or whatever? Because I'm going back to the 80s for all of this year, and I'm still only up to like 1983, maybe 84. So I might have to carry this theme on into 2022. But they're not for quality or association with this movie in any way, shape, or form. That's my disclaimer. Right. It's just that they're on my list. So The Outsiders is a moody, broody, full of pre-movie stars. So look it up. And Spring Break, which is a throwaway movie about going to Spring Break, probably one of the most inappropriate not as inappropriate as Porky's, let's say, but it's on par with that. Sounds good. So I'm not recommending it as a, you know, cultural landmark for you to be like, yes, this is how everyone should behave. It is what it is. That's it. So a scully stuff, Fortnite, which is a game that I play, which you all probably know about. 
I've talked about it 50,000 times. I've heard of Fortnite. Today, they had a big event called The End, which I didn't attend because I was watching the movie Reminiscence instead. But I went on YouTube and watched you the event. You said that with bitterness in your voice. <laughs> <laughs> so I went on uh, YouTube, watched The End. And what it is, is it's the end of this year's Fortnite, basically. And what they did was they had a big event and the island, which you fight on all the time, it like flipped upside down. And on the bottom of the island, if you imagine it that way, it's an island, you flip it up the other way around. It's a completely different place underneath it. But it's always been there. It's just, mm-hmm. you can't see it. Mm-hmm. And Dwayne The Rock Johnson swooped in at the last minute and saved the main character, Jonesy. So tomorrow, when it actually kicks back off again, it'll be a whole new thing, which I'm excited to have a look at. Are ya? So that's Fortnite. And I've also been playing Deathloop some more, which is a cool game about looping around in this island, killing all these people, but then waking up the next day and having to do it all over again. You know what that's all about. It's Groundhog Day, but with death. Or what's the other one? Returnal. No, the other, uh, there's also a movie, Live, Die, Repeat, but not called that. Yeah, Live, Die, Repeat. But not called. What was its name? Something Tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The one with Tom Cruise. Yes. Great movie, that, by the way. Should watch it. It's all about great, but it Hi. was all right. I really liked it. So what's for dinner? Tonight, we're having, and why do we tell you this before I reveal because we're vegetarian and it still seems to be a weird thing in the world, which is hilarious that people would still ask you like, wow, oh, but what do you eat? This past week, someone at work finally asked me the question no one's ever asked. And I was totally impressed. He's not a vegetarian. He was talking about something in the fridge and said, whatever, about snack day. And I said, I won't be eating that. I am actually, I'm actually vegetarian. And it looked really gross. It was something disgusting in the refrigerator. <laughs> that looked like somebody left like sausages. So I don't even know what it was, right? It looked like meat stuff. Blech. Yeah. Yeah. I'm vegetarian. So, and he goes, Really? He goes, Is that, is it like meat ma- is grosses you out? Raw meat, does it gross you out? And I'm like, Wow. Yes. <laughs> no one's asked me that question. But yeah, most of my life, it always did. I still ate it. I mean, I didn't eat raw meat. I ate meat until we were about 40. It's been 11 years now or 12. We're not animal rights activists. We're not activists anyway. We're not vegan. That's a whole different thing. That's a life philosophy. This is just that we don't eat meat. We do eat dairy and eggs. So there's no platform that we have. There's no proselytizing. I don't even know that word, and I like to use it. Prostate. Proselytizing. No, like you're preaching at people to do a thing because you've jumped on board with it. No, none of that shit. I couldn't care less if you... Eat your own foot. Like that, I don't know why you would, but that's fine. It's your body. (laughs) You do what you want to do with it. Even if it tastes good, the after effects are not great. (laughs) No. (laughs) It's not going to grow back. I'm just (laughs) saying. So what we're having tonight for supper is Morningstar burgers, which you enjoy. Black bean Morningstar burger and some just cheap crinkle cut or ride of fries. Oh, yum. That sounds good. I know. All right. Because so we're wh- not starving, I can assure you. Yeah, and maybe when you listen to our What's for Dinner thing, you think, oh, that sounds good, and you go and get that too. We do love the Morning Star veggie burgers and the black bean burger. It's just nice. It's got a little spice to it. It's made out of black beans. It's not that, it's not, not like drastic. It doesn't taste like a hamburger. So we're not trying to replace hamburgers. 
to all you little idiots who think that. Sorry, but that's rude. You're just rude to I, it's our rude listeners. to assume that because you want to have a veggie burger that you're trying to replace a hamburger. It's brainwashing. It's because you've heard all the other fucking idiots out there who want to tell you that it's stupid to be vegetarian. Like, oh well, they veggie burgers. They must want to eat hamburgers. No. I mean, I like the format because it's flat and it fits on a bun and it's delicious. It's it doesn't have to be a dead animal. <laughs> All right, what's your advice and let's get out of it? My advice is to fess up. You know, when you do something, do something, whether it's big or small, just fess up. You mean confess? Yeah. I mean, I understand there could be very bad consequences to some con- some confessions, but I mean, on the smallest of things, I have an example I'm not going to share with you, but I'm just saying, life goes on, you know, and it won't be on your mind. It's a thing that you might be reliving in your mind over and over and over and over and over. You let it go. You fess up. You confess. Like if you got grease on the towel and somebody's like, who got grease on the towel? Right? See, that's an example of a thing in a household. And you're just like, oh, I don't know. It's like kids try to not get in trouble all the time. That's not grease that kids leave on towels. (laughs) No, I'm saying like a thing gets broken and everybody says, what me, what me, what me? Like you, it's almost like your instinct when you're a child is to keep yourself out of trouble without anybody really teaching you that. It's just an instant. Like you could be literally with your hand in the cookie jar and the parent or whoever comes in and it's like, what are you doing? Nothing. Why is your hand in the cookie jar? It isn't. Yep. That's not me. (laughs) It wasn't me. But instead, just say, oh, yeah, I was getting a cookie because I want a cookie. And that's it. Then either the answer will be yes or no, and everyone goes on with their lives. All right. It's not great advice today. Again, they can all be good. Well, thanks for the advice. And let me say that aschoolie.com is the place to go to listen to the best podcasts. We have a lot of them. How many do we have, Sid Talk? Uh, according to your little thing here, this is number 713. That's correct. So we do have all those for you to listen to there. You can also catch us on social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. We're on anchor.fm slash after the show, iTunes, Spotify, Amazon Music, anywhere that podcasts are available. You can email feedback to me, aschoolie at Do not email Sid Talk. She doesn't like any of you. That isn't true. And finally... I would like to say, stay classy, the creators of Westworld, and please bring us a new season of Westworld. Thank you. (laughs) And I'm going to say, think for yourself or someone will do it for you.